Well, talking about money makes us nervous, doesn't it? It's funny, you know, we can talk about everything. We can talk about our marriages coming apart. We can talk about families coming unglued. We can talk about addictions. We can talk about everything, but don't talk about money. And definitely don't ask about money. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask about money today. We'll see down there. (laughs) So, you know, when I think about money, I think about my own story. I grew up in a family. Uh, it was a large family. We never, never talked about money. I didn't know what our family lived on. I didn't know how to make a budget. I didn't know how to spend money. I didn't know how to save money. I didn't know how to give money. We never, never talked about money. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't see some things about money. My father was very, very conservative, a large family. He managed the resources extremely well. He always had a mindset, pay as you go. He never, never till the day he died, got into credit card debt. He refused to go. Every car he drove, he paid cash. That was something I saw in my life growing up. I also noticed something else. He was generous. We had a generous family. So even though we never talked about any of this stuff, it was things that I could observe. But what if we take this topic of money and we said, let's see, let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Rather than thinking about me saying some things, what if we just took some time over the next couple of weeks and said, what does Jesus have to say about money? Now, people that have grown up in the church or have been around the church have probably heard something like this, that Jesus had more to say about money than he did about heaven and hell put together. Now, both of those other topics, heaven and hell, very important topics, and Jesus did talk about them, but he talked about money about four times as much. And so what if five years ago, ten years ago, you said, Jesus, I want you to be my financial planner. What if you said, Jesus... I want you to be my accountant. Can you imagine how fewer fights you would have had with your spouse? Can you imagine how much freedom, peace, and security you would have if five or ten years ago you said, Jesus, we need you to be the financial planner of our home. And of course, that's where we want to go. Is Let's see what Jesus has to say about these things. So if you have your Bible this morning, you have a device, if you would get with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I want to read just a a few verses. Now, now to give you a little bit of a sense of what's happened is that Jesus is, is speaking to a large crowd and all of a sudden, these two guys come up to Jesus and they got a dispute going and they want Jesus to settle it. It's a financial dispute. It's an issue about money and Jesus says, I want nothing to do with your dispute. But let's see how it unfolds. Verse 13, 
chapter 12 of Luke, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yield an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Would you pray with me? Father, we invite right now your spirit to stir our hearts, to move in our midst, remove the nervousness, the tensions, the stress, the anxiety that is so often associated with this topic. Would you give us ears to hear what Jesus has to say about it? And God, would you give us the courage to align our lives with the ways of the kingdom? Help us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a, a great little story as we, we think about this. But if you'll look with me a, a little bit of, of the context. Now, to get the context, we need to go back to chapter 12, verse 1. So if we read verse 1, it says, There was this crowd of many thousands. And they had gathered so that, look what it says, they were trampling on one another. You get the sense that there were all these people. Now, candidly, in this, time, in this context, they're called disciples. And these are learners. They're people that are turning to this teacher to learn from him. And so they're, they're trampling on one another. They didn't have systems like we have where we could broadcast sound and deliver it all across the distance. So Jesus is speaking loudly. He's speaking clearly. And thousands and thousands of people are coming to hear his teaching. And so these two brothers that we're reading about, they, they're in a fight. Now they must have probably heard Jesus teach on money before. The reason I say that is they, they turned to him as a teacher and they were trusting what he would say. I mean, candidly, let's be honest. If you were going to go to somebody and ask them for counsel over an inheritance, are you going to go to someone who's going to side with the other person? <laughs> you, you really want that person to be on, on your side so that you get the inheritance. Well, Jesus is watching this and he sees in both of the brothers, at least this is my guess, greed. And he just does not enter the fray. He steps back, but he uses that opportunity to say something to all the people, all the crowds about 
money. But before he gets to the section that we're reading, he first starts out saying to the crowd, watch out, don't be hypocrites. Don't say you're going to follow God and then live like the world. Don't say you're going to follow Christ ultimately and then start living the way the world lives. There's a big difference between the way the world talks about money and the way God talks about money. He then goes on and, and, and starts pulling the crowd together to say, are you going to trust God? We see that in verse 6. And then, then he goes on and, and he starts, ta- or verse 5, and then he says in verse 6, he starts talking about the sparrows. And, and he, he, he says that God hasn't forgotten one sparrow. Just look at the birds of the air. And I get that. I have a, a bird feeder outside on our patio and I keep it filled all winter, even in the summer. I like to see the birds come and I see all kinds of birds coming. And, and I think, wow, there, there's just a, a handful, right, in terms of all these birds that are all over the state, all over the Midwest, all over our country. And yet it says God has not forgotten one. And then he says he's even numbered the hairs on your head. Now looking out... Some of you have fewer hairs than others to count, but God knows them all. What's he saying? He's saying that you and I are valuable, and he hasn't forgotten you. He sees every detail about your life. These are the topics that he's moving through to get us to this place where we are today talking about money. God wants you to know that you're valuable. And he understands the role of money in our world. Well, he he says here, he says, watch out, right? Notice in verse 15, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So Jesus looks at life, and I love this about Jesus. He's so practical, He just knows where we live, that we're constantly consuming, we're constantly assuming, we're constantly taking in more. Just look in our basements, just look in our garages, just look in our houses, right? There's just always more. I mean, how many of you go out and buy a brand new phone? You want the latest iPhone. The 12 comes out. Now, your 10 is really good, but you want the 12, right? We, we, we just want more. You're driving a car. The car's in good condition. You could drive it for many more miles, but you want a new car, a different car. Your clothes, you look in your closet. You got plenty of clothes. Maybe that one outfit you've only worn a couple times, but you're done with it and you want more. So when Jesus says there's different kinds of greed, I think what he means here is that we can look at this issue of of more, right? Isn't that what greed is? We just constantly want more. We always want something new, right? We're, We're always kind of grabbing up. That's just a raw form of greed. Money and material possessions are a primary way of turning our hearts away from God. That's why Colossians 3.5, it says this, that greed is 
tantamount to idolatry, right? This is just raw greed. We, we, we want more and we worship more. But there's other kinds of greed. We see it. And most of us have experienced it. There's a greed that makes us insensitive to people. There's a greed where we just don't want to be generous. And so we don't look at other people and other people's needs and how we might meet those needs. Then there's a form of greed, and some of us have seen this, that's not merely insensitive, but there's a hostility. There's sometimes an envy. Someone has something you don't have, and you become envious. Or there can be a jealousy, and, and it creates a, a competitiveness, right? And, and, and you're, you're always trying to outdo someone else. If they have this, you've got to have that, right? And, and there's this form of greed that brings about a hostility. So when Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, we recognize that there's, there's several different kinds. And where Jesus takes us in the story when he tells the story about this rich man, is he saying this, it's dangerous to disregard God and his ways when it comes to money. God is just laying it out. It's dangerous when you and I disregard his ways when it comes to money. But let me flip that on its head because Jesus also talks about wisdom, or at least he talks about fool here, and it would be something like this. It's wise to honor God and His ways when it comes to money. It's just wise. So let, let's look a little bit into the story. Now, the, the, the story that Jesus told is about a rich man. That, that, that's the setup to the story. In verse 16, there's a ground of a certain rich man. Now, rich, you know, is a relative term. Everybody else is rich, except for me, right? That, that's how it works with money. Oh, greed works the same way. When I look in the mirror, I would never say I'm greedy. I can see your greed, I can see your greed, but I can't see my own greed. Isn't that funny how money works? So Jesus is talking about this rich man. And this rich man has a harvest that has come in and it's plentiful. Let me just translate this so nobody gets lost in the weeds. What he's saying is, this guy just had a banner year in business. This guy just had a wonderful year of stock returns. Everything came back at 18, 20, 22% returns right? That's the setup. Everything is going well. Well, let's dive in to this man's thought life, because that's what Jesus does. He dives into the man's thought life. So let me give you the first thing. The man says, well, what shall I do? What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Let's translate that before you move on to his next thought. He's basically saying is, okay, I, I've just made this great business deal. Everything is going well. I just 
got a surplus of funds because of my stock investments. The market is soaring, right? So he's, he's asking the question, now, where do I invest my money? What do I do with the gain that I've made? So Jesus takes us to the next thought that he has. This is what I'll do. I'll invest. No, he doesn't say that. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my grain and my goods. It's all about more. Right? That's the translation of that. It's, it's accumulation. I, I don't need the iPhone 11. I need the 12. I don't need this house. I need the bigger house. I don't need a 2018 car. I need a 2021. See how the story is unfolding that Jesus is telling. But let's get to the third bubble. You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He's arrived. He's achieved the American dream. That's the translation. Whatever bar he set, he achieved it. He can now do the vacations. He can now do the things that he wants to do. And by the way, notice the picture Jesus paints. He takes off of the plate any kind of serving. It's about eating and drinking and about being merry. In fact, you've probably noticed this way before I did. <clears throat> Count the number of times in the thoughts he says, I or my. I'll spare you the count. It's eight times. All of a sudden you begin to realize that in the thought bubbles, this guy is saying, it's all about me, my possessions, and my stuff. But God has something to say. Even if we can't see what the man's thinking, Jesus tells us, God shoots straight with him. And look what God says. You fool. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now, when we hear that word fool, there's a, a, a way that the word fool gets used in the Bible. Sometimes we get the idea it's just being silly. You silly person, you fool. Or, or you're ignorant, you You fool. But here we get the sense that it's not just being silly. It's not just being ignorant. When, when we get God's response, he's saying something far more critical that may be slipping actually across the line into sin. The idea here is clearly, you, fool, you do not have your mind on the things of God. That's usually how the word fool gets used in the Proverbs. You are more concerned with yourself than you are with the things of God. The world that you've created, the life that you're living is all about you, and God has been pushed outside of it. So Jesus lays it all out. Some of us have had this experience. It's not a very pleasant one. Have you ever cleaned out the house of someone who has passed on? Of course, you've probably been associated with some of this. 
It's a very unpleasant thing. All the things that they accumulated, this person, and you can put yourself in it. Because someday, right, it's appointed for all people to die. And you know the old saying, there's no U-Hauls behind a casket. So when you clean out this person's house, when you empty their basement, when you empty the garage and clean it all out, where is that stuff going? Well, most of it goes to two places. Goodwill or the garbage. All these things we've accumulated. You try to pass some of that on, a lot of it never goes anywhere. And so Jesus, or God speaking here, is giving us a stern warning. So as we think about these things, what I wanted to do this morning was bring us to a place of three questions. Here's the first question. Lord, am I honoring you as CEO, CFO of the money you have entrusted to me to manage? Now, when we think about money from the world standpoint and God's standpoint, there's very different perspectives. When we look at what the world says and when we look at what God says, when we look at what the world views and when we look at what God views, when we look at the world's economy, when we look at God's economy, they're very, very different. So we ask ourselves a question, am I honoring? Well, what do you honor with your possessions? See, Jesus knew that money had a way of pulling us away from God. So in God's view of money, the whole earth is his, including your money. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world doesn't view it that way. The world says, no, it's mine. It's all mine, 100% mine. But God says, no, 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 it's mine, 100% mine, and I'm loaning it to you. I'm allowing you to do this. God, I tell you, women tend to catch on to this way sooner than men. I've had more women come to me, let me just say wives, that want to give, but the husband says, nope, nope, nope. Because the wife sees that money is but a tool, that it's God's money to be used. Praise God for women. So we're managers. The world says, no, you're owners. But God says, no, that's not reality. Reality is you're a manager. And as a manager, there's someone over you called a CEO, a CFO, let's just call him the boss, to whom you will give an account for how you managed his money. That's the story Jesus is telling. Today, this day, your life is being called up. And Jesus says, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You see the contrast is there. So let me just be very practical about money for a moment. 
as God entrusts us with money, as our leader, as the Lord of our life entrusts us with money, here's one of the things that he calls us to do with it, to provide for our families. And when I say provide for our families, it's not biblically just our immediately mom, dad, and kids. It's extended family. It was the household. And so God gives us resources, money, to provide for our family. Secondly, we are to provide for the gospel. God gives us resources so that we can see the gospel go forward. So when we at Fox Valley Church talk about money and giving money here, what I want you to have the confidence in is that we are using the money to further the gospel. It's why at Christmas time it was so important that we give opportunity for people to respond to the good news that God loves them and he wants a relationship with them. So when God gives us money, it's to further the kingdom. And there's a third reason God gives us money. It's to help the poor, the vulnerable, the disadvantaged. And I'll say a little bit more with this in the next question. So you have to answer the question, am I honoring the Lord? No one else can answer that. Now, these things that I laid out, we all are going to have to wrestle with at what standard we live at. How much are we going to keep? How much are we going to live on? How much are we going to give? And sometimes it's easier to get us off the hook so we don't get nervous and we feel stressed. We say, well, I give this much. Well, let me tell you, this God who knows and hasn't forgotten the sparrows, this God who knows and has counted the hairs on your head, he also knows what you're keeping. He's not merely interested in what you're giving, he's also interested in what you're keeping, what you're living on. And we need to think about that as we want to be rich towards God, as we want to honor him. Well, here's the second question. Lord, does my life revolve around you and your priorities? Many of us at the end of 2020, right now in this window, we look back on all that God gave us. And we take an account. How did we do? How did our investments go? Did I make enough money? Some of us look and we say, did we give enough money? Did I help out the poor? One of the things I love about Fox Valley Church is we're very committed to these things of giving to organizations like the TLC Center, helping women that have been in a vulnerable spot and sometimes oppressed so that when they're pregnant, they can have help and carry the baby forward. We get involved in administered justice because we want to see the poor taken care of where they're often taken advantage of. It's why we want to be involved in the orphan care. We care about children that have been abandoned or where they are fatherless or where they have been left without support. But see, in the world's economy, everything gets to be external. It's about accumulation. And that's what creates anxiety. Because it's, do I have enough? Am I gaining? Am I accumulating? But in God's economy, it's more internal. 
It's about security and peace coming from him because it's about trusting God. So we need to look at our priorities very differently. Now, we don't have time to track all this down, but if you read from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, there's a thread. There's a thread of God revealing his heart and his priorities to the poor. Let me just read a couple verses. Exodus 22, 22. It says this, Do not take advantage of the widow. Do not take advantage of the fatherless. That's the orphan. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, he says this, He, God, defends the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner or the alien. You see, we're getting the heart of God. Those who are vulnerable, those who are marginalized, those who are oppressed, those are the ones that God says, I'm watching out. And if God's watching out, we should watch out for them as well. Can I flip this a little bit? Because listen to how God says it in uh, Deuteronomy 27. Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner. Cursed is anyone who withholds goods from from the fatherless or the widow. You see, God sees those vulnerable and he cares about them. He says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, learn to do right, learn to seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause, here's the phrase again, the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. You see God's heart. And so when we ask this question, does my life revolve around God and his priorities? Only you can answer that. And now is the time to look back in your check register and ask yourself, where did I put, not my money, but where did I put God's money? Let me hit the third question briefly. Lord, does my lifestyle and giving reflect a life of faith? The world says, focus on here and now. It's about me, myself, my needs, it's about self. God's view says, focus on the there and then. In other words, focus on things outside this world. Giving is a tool. So only you and I can privately look before the Lord. Am I living by faith? Notice that Jesus doesn't give amounts. We're going to talk about this in future weeks. How to actually start giving if you're not giving. We're going to talk about the tithe. We're going to talk about how to live these kinds of things out. But one of the things you see in the New Testament, the stories about wealthy people are people that are constantly showing a generosity. You see this pattern over and over and over again. So let me just close, bringing us back to the main point. It's wise to honor God in his ways when it comes to money. But let's flip that again. It's dangerous to disregard God and his ways when it comes to money. Let's pray. Father, Thank you that while we live in a world where we're uncomfortable talking about money, you're not. 
thank you that you address the issues of the heart. And you help us see that it starts with a heart of honoring you. Being rich towards you. Having priorities that are oriented not around ourselves, our accumulation, but oriented around you and your priorities of giving, of living, and providing. So God, we ask for you to direct us over the next several weeks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.